welcome back to Millennial Ag, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valine Likely and Catherine Lotspeech. Listeners, we are super excited for this week's episode. We have a very special guest with us. Um, Governor Little is joining us this week to kind of dive into agriculture in Idaho and some of the things that he's been doing um, to help promote agriculture. And I don't want to spend any more time talking because I I want to spend most of our time letting him explain um, kind of what he's been up to and, and what's happening in Idaho. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Governor Little to introduce himself. And thank you for joining us, Governor. Well, thank you, Valine. I, <laughs> most of your viewers know who I am. I'm by uh, actually both sides of our family, uh, both sides of my family, and in fact, both sides of my wife's family. Uh, come from agriculture. Um, I was raised on a ranch and a farm and and uh, went off and got my degree at the University of Idaho and came home, went to work on the ranch. And, and you know, somewhat uh, just by location, I got involved in, in industry politics for the cattle uh, association, the wool growers, uh, food producers. And then and then philanthropy uh, for the University of Idaho, the Idaho Community Foundation and the Idaho Association of Commerce and Industry. But all the time, well, as a matter of fact, my board seat at, uh, at the Idaho Commerce uh, uh, and Industry was because I represented agriculture. So that's what I've done my whole life. And then I got in the Senate and then was uh, Lieutenant Governor, now Governor. So, uh, but one of the best things that uh, opportunities I've had was every one of those positions was a statewide position. Uh, my wife's family on her mother's side is from the Genesee area. And uh, I've got family from the Howe and Cary area and Muldoon. And then we're from the uh, Treasure Valley from the Emmett area. And my wife's family's from Weezer. So uh, I've got a pretty fair perspective of what agriculture is across the state of Idaho. And, and uh, those are issues that <clears throat> when you get to be governor, uh, there's a lot of things that you don't know everything about. Uh, and I, you never will know everything about agriculture, but I, that my comfort level is a lot higher when we're talking agriculture than some of the other things. Well, great. And we're, we're so thankful to have you in office and somebody fighting for agriculture um, at a state level and even having some national pull too. We, we've covered a lot of what's going on in Colorado and some of the other threats to agriculture around, around the country. And it's just reassuring to have somebody in your office that, that can relate, has been on horseback, has been, you know, had a shovel in their hand at one time, able to, able to know what, what's going on. So, We've kind of seen that Idaho is growing um, exponentially at this point um, and high urban growth. How is this affecting agriculture and how have you seen kind of some pressures placed on agriculture in the state of Idaho? Well, it depends. Uh, in some areas, uh, you know, you take the Lemhi Valley where you're, you've got great roots uh, in the Lemhi Valley. Uh, it's different than it is here in the Treasure Valley. Uh, here in the you know, one of the most uh, challenged is uh, one of our most profitable uh, segments is the seed industry. And, you know, if you put a subdivision uh, right next to a seed crop where people aren't taking care of pests and 
uh, all those other things, it is a, an enormous problem. So there's, uh, and, and then of course, if you're a young farmer or rancher and you want to expand, uh, this, these crazy real estate prices uh, make it very, very difficult uh, for a family to say, we need a little bigger base to, for the kids to, uh, to uh, operate. But on the other hand, uh, there, there is more equity in a ranch or a farm. And so some of the things that some farmers and ranchers want to do, it's, you know, financing it is easier. Uh, the commodity prices we've seen just a huge uh, variation in what industries are profitable this year and what industries were were uh, were challenged. One of the lines that I actually used to use when I talked to ag groups and uh, I think D Sykes from Nebraska, that I, I saw him one time and I credited him with it. And he says, I don't know where I came up with this. You take credit for it, so I will is that uh, change is inevitable, adaptation and survival are optional. That has always been the case in agriculture. And it's in the last year, year and a half, it's even been more so. And, you know, I remember a year ago at this point in time, when my ag friends were coming to me, you know, the restaurant business had crashed, uh, white tablecloth, what, whatever, if you provided a commodity for the white tablecloth business, it was devastating. Uh, potato industry, you know, the French fry deal was tough, but the, the, the potatoes that went into the grocery store were great. Uh, but as has been the case for the whole history of this state, uh, bright farmers and ranchers adapt to that change and they have, uh, but, but you know, from a growth standpoint, uh, you know, roads, congestion on roads, uh, competing interests for our water. Uh, that is always going to be the case. That's one of the reasons I've got a pretty significant transportation package that I'm trying to get through the legislature right now. With all those pressures, um, what you kind of mentioned your transportation package and that sort of thing, but what other things are you doing in the legislative doing to um, protect agriculture in the state of Idaho? Well, you know, it, it depends, um, um, you know, what your challenge is. Uh, where are you in the commodity? Uh, you know, how, how vertically or how horizontally integrated you are. Uh, we have got a lot of, of uh, diversification, both horizontally and vertically, in, in Idaho. So, uh, you know, there might be one part of that that's challenged one, one part of the cycle uh, where you integrate and you're protected. You know, the best thing I can do is have increasing incomes, uh, you know, a regulatory atmosphere to where bright farmers and ranchers that want to change uh, aren't shackled to make those changes. They can make those changes. Uh, you know, one of the most important things to me is that uh, our kids choose to stay in agriculture and choose to stay in Idaho, uh, which is always a challenge because every day a farmer or rancher makes investments that reduces the need for labor. Uh, you know, I, I look at the way we put up hay today versus the way we put up hay when I was a kid. 
Uh, and matter of fact, I even remember, uh, this will reveal something about my age when we used to Derek to stack hay, uh, compared to a modern, uh, either a harrow bed or modern large bales and the number of people that it takes to put up a ton of hay or a bushel of wheat or, or even produce a hundred weight of, of uh, milk or, or uh, finished livestock. That's, that's all changed, but uh, we keep powering through it. And it's one of the things that's real important to me is what we do for rural communities. And as farms become more efficient and require less labor, I need some other industries in rural Idaho to help pay for the hospital, the police, the fire, the schools. And, and it also provides jobs uh, for family members or employees in those communities. So there's a nexus between rural development uh, that isn't ag with ag so that we can keep those rural communities that are, are so important to agriculture alive and thriving. And that includes roads, schools, broadband capacity. Those are all things we can do. And, and of course, as I said earlier, a regulatory atmosphere to where you know, we keep our commodities safe, we keep people safe, we keep our water clean, but we don't overdrive our headlights and put impediments for people to make a profit. With that in mind, Governor, uh, with the influx of people coming to Idaho, how does the state embrace the economic benefits of, of more people in the state while also protecting agriculture communities and culture? Well, we do some things at the state level, uh, but a lot of that really needs to be local. A lot of it's planning and zoning. A lot of it's what do you do for a school district? Uh, you know, that's why I always urge good people to take one of the toughest jobs in the state and that's serve on the school board. We got to have increased school capacity. <clears throat> we got to have increased road capacity. We got to do smart planning and zoning to where we don't significantly devalue people's property, but we don't have... Uh, they always talk about smart growth. I talk about unsmart growth. Uh, unsmart growth is is disrupting a, a an area that is, you know, the intent is to have it be in agriculture for a long time and plopping something down in the middle of it just makes it very difficult. But those are the decisions that are best made locally because what's important in Lemhi and Lewis County is a lot different than what's what's needed in Leytaw and Ada County. So those are best, uh, and I think we need to empower those counties to do the right decisions uh, for agriculture there. So do you see with putting the power in the local government, some overlap, you know, if something's happening on the, the border of counties or, you know, commerce, how do you see kind of a balance between those local governments or and sharing some of the power to keep the goal of you know, agriculture in Idaho together? Well, <clears throat> elections have consequences. And so uh, people have to get out and elect the right city council and county commissioners. Uh, but, you know, one of the things we got going for us in agriculture, uh, a lot of the people that just moved to Idaho in the last year, uh, wherever they come from, they get here and they look at agriculture in Idaho and they like it, even though they don't make a nickel off of it. Uh, obviously, they eat, uh, they enjoy the open space, and, and it 
elevates the need for us in agriculture to make our case to those people. If, if we're having a problem in a county, uh, you know, uh, you know, bright articulate people like yourselves uh, need to show up and make a case about if you take this action, that landscape uh, that you came to Idaho to enjoy is going to be disrupted. And it, it's a higher, you know, and I'm guilty of this. I'm doing the right thing. Leave me alone and let me go ahead and, and uh, keep doing it. We have to convince our fellow uh, farmers and ranchers uh, that they do have to engage to make that case. Now, it's encouraging to hear you say, I'm doing the right thing, leave me alone and let me go do it. Because um, <laughs> just because it in Colorado right now, we're dealing with a lot of meddling in agriculture. Um, and, you know, not that there's not places that can't be improved, but um, it's, it's outside forces trying to influence what goes on on a daily basis in agriculture. And it's, you know, if, if some of these ballot measures or legislation are allowed to pass, it's gonna cause some really big problems for, for the industry in Colorado. So it's nice to hear a little bit more uh, laissez-faire approach in, in Idaho. Well, they, you know, we've done some things in Idaho, uh, ag in the classroom, we've got a very robust uh, FFA and 4-H program, uh, and, and, and both FFA and 4-H have expanded to non, traditionally they're all farm kids uh, and ranch kids. Uh, those expanding those programs to where we've got a deeper commitment into the community uh, really does embed, uh, you know, the appreciation for agriculture into society uh, obviously, we've got a great land grant uh, college in the state that has an outreach in in every county. Uh, that's important, and and you know the the county fair circuit, which is uh, really a big part of the the uh, summer activities in Idaho. Uh, the, there's a lot of city folk that go to those county fairs, and they learn about agriculture at those events. Great, great opportunity. And I think it's great to start reaching more and more of those urban people that are, are moving to um, Idaho and that, or they've been removed from, from the farm and ranch that have been natives. We've been talking a lot about the urban growth, but what else um, do you see in Idaho that's, that's putting pressure on agriculture or that challenges agriculture on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, it's, you know, some of these things have been around a long time, you know, uh, the push and pull demand for water. I had the auto, I know water users here in the office yesterday. We had a conversation about it. Uh, you know, you know, the, the real critical uh, components of agriculture, land, uh, water, uh, energy, uh, the cost of energy. Those are all things that are, are critical to the, uh, to agriculture in Idaho. We've got a pretty good body of law and a pretty good understanding and a very active uh, or, or organizations and associations uh, that work on all of those things. But but we, we, we can't take our eye off the ball when new people come to Idaho and the demographics change uh, that we have to roll up our sleeves and do the hard work to explain to them why it's in their benefit uh, for a robust and profitable agriculture. What are some of the opportunities that you see for agriculture in Idaho? Well, I wish I could tell you, uh, I, I, uh, things happen all the time and I go, first off, of course, I'm 
kind of busy now. I kind of got a job. I always say, well, why the hell didn't I think of that? Because <laughs> the, the, I mean, that's, that's what's been the history of agriculture is, uh, uh, you know, whether they be an operator that's been uh, uh, farming or ranching for 60 or 70 years, or whether it be some kid that just got out of school and goes back to the farm. Uh, I, there was a great story in the Capitol Press about two families I know from uh, from the Grangeville area that are, are, are getting a patent on a roboticized rock picker. And uh, as, as a kid that used to pick rocks, we always thought that was the best way to get kids to go to school is make them pick rocks. And that's, <laughs> uh, if, we, if we have roboticized rock pickers, I don't know if anybody will go to college. I'm just joking, but, uh, uh, but you know, every day uh, practices in ranches, dairies, farms, uh, just get better. And the best thing government can do is, is try and create the resources out there you know, great career technical programs uh, in high schools, obviously the university system, the community college system, uh, educational opportunities, and then allow that entrepreneurial spirit that's made agriculture, made the agriculture in the United States, the most efficient agriculture in the world to allow it to continue to flourish, whether it be genetics, whether it be production, uh, whether it be uh, all the other science, whether it be food processing, you know, in Idaho, we've got some of the most modern food processing plants in the world. Uh, 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 potatoes, milk, cheese, yogurt, fish. Uh, and we're building, I think, three new uh, cattle processing plants just in the last few years. And, and so creating the atmosphere to where entrepreneurs want to do that is the best thing I can do as a governor. What a refreshing thing. And, and I think that as you know, the next generation coming into agriculture, knowing that there's still opportunity here to, to expand um, and continue production, but how can young people become involved in ag organizations and make their voices heard so that they can, you know, see these changes or know the opportunities that, that are present? Uh, get involved early, uh, you know, whether it's and FFA in high school, uh, or, or just get involved anyway, you know, go to school board meeting, go to the city council meeting. Obviously, when you uh, go on to higher education, there's all kinds of opportunities there. But, you know, I, I've been through three or four cycles in both uh, cattle and, well, actually more than that. Uh, but, you know, the issue was you can't do anything in agriculture. I sold my sheep operation to a guy that started off shearing sheep and didn't have anything. The, the guy that did most of my farming started on his parents' 160 acres. I think he's farming three or 4,000 now. You can do it. But the common denominator between both these people that are good friends of mine is they're smart and they work hard. And you can't displace either one of those skills, uh, working hard and being smart and being innovative uh, so when people say, oh, you can't do anything in agriculture, I see it all the time. You know, a lot of times they maybe, maybe they did something else, had a professional life, kind of got a little money to get them started into it. I know it's high. There's a huge barrier to getting into agriculture. It's even worse now with these skyrocketing uh, speculation on land block prices. But, you know, these markets will go up and down. 
and the right entrepreneur is going to hang around and maybe lease a place from a neighbor and and option into it or wait until the market goes down and 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 capture part of that at a later point in time i just have utmost faith in the creativity the entrepreneurship of people in agriculture not be, just because they're smart but because they love what they do they love being on the land and most importantly they love having a livelihood where their kids and grandkids can be involved. Last weekend, uh, we branded calves at our operation and all of my grandkids were there. I, I rode calves for a while and then my job was to get the horse rode down enough to where my grandkids could ride it. There's no better job for grandfather than doing that right there. F family that ropes together, brands together and ranches together, I think is is something that's pretty valuable. Um, in the interest of time, we wanna thank you for being here, but do you have parting thoughts or um, advice for the millennial generation getting into agriculture? Well, my, my, uh, my, my overarching goal that when I campaign my state of the state is we wanna create an atmosphere in Idaho and everything we do in this office is uh, to where our kids choose to stay here. That's even more important in agriculture. And, and you've got to work hard, you've got to, uh, you've got to be innovative. Uh, and frankly, the millennials, they get a bad rap. Uh, uh, <laughs> wait, 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 can we hear that again one more time? What do millennials get? <laughs> uh, uh, they, they get a bad rap because, uh, you know, they, they, they grew up under a different set of circumstances. Uh, but, you know, look at what's taken place in agriculture with the technology that millennials are the best with. Uh, you know, we got, a, we got a farm that we put in. And when my son was putting in the pivot, I says, how the hell are you gonna manage that? And they do, he does it all on the, on the phone. And uh, there are just so many opportunities out there, but the common denominator, no matter what the generation is, is being innovative, working hard, learning to work in a team. Uh, you know, a lot of that vertical and horizontal integration means you got to get along with the with whoever is in your vertical or your horizontal uh, integration. Uh, but those are all skills that that are out there. But uh, it's you know the margins in agriculture are low for a reason. The the reason the margins for the most part are low for a reason because everybody wants to be in agriculture. If you want to have a higher margin, be the garbage truck driver, and I'll probably just make the garbage truck drivers mad, or or we're gonna, you know, somewhere else. People love agriculture. They leave, love being outside, and they love the opportunities. So to really be profitable, you got to think of new and better ideas all the time. But that value of of being on a piece of real estate for generations and 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 I mean lots of generations, or being brand new, coming from somewhere else and starting a, uh, starting a farm or a ranch. Uh, those are all great activities, but because it's such a likable lifestyle, you gotta work a little harder if you really wanna uh, be successful at it. But I know you can, even the millennials. <laughs> See, we as long as we work hard, we can start shaking this this stereotype of millennials and break down some of those barriers that 
that other generations tend to stick on stick on us. But Governor, we, we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy, busy schedule to be with us today. It's it's truly been an honor and a pleasure to have you. Um, if listeners want to follow you, are you on social media or where can they they follow along? What's social media? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, uh, uh, gov.idaho.gov. Perfect, well we can, um, We'll link that as well in our show notes. And listeners, we really appreciate you tuning in to this week's episode of the Millennial Ag Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or you can email us, talk to us at millennialag.com. Until next week, we are Millennial Ag. (music) 